Earthworms. Woo, we're back. Yes, we are, man. Uh, so this is episode 24 yep. of Fried Squirms. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. And we're here to talk about another horror movie with you all. Yeah, and this one is unique because it's uh, this is film coming from very far east. Right, so uh, Turkey. Yeah, this is uh, our first Turkish horror film that we're covering. And only the eighth Turkish film ever released in the United States, I believe, theatrically. It yeah. was a limited theatrical release. So I did see that. probably didn't see it, but... That's pretty cool. I mean, I didn't see it. I'm not like no, no, trying no, to be I saw that about fact. it. Like, yeah. I'm not trying to be a hipster about it. I'm saying you probably didn't see it because it probably just wasn't in your area. But it was a theatrical release, so only the eighth Turkish film ever in the United States. We are talking about the movie Baskin. Yes, from 2015, and I think it's got its release mostly in 2016. Yeah, something like that. I guess let's just get into the how did that make you squeal. Yeah. How does that make you squeal? So here we are in the How Does That Make You Squeal? Episode 24. Baskin. Turkish horror movie. Um, and I think this was the first time for both of us. Yeah. Um, here's an interesting little side nugget since we are talking about Turkish films. I'm familiar uh, with some more of the, I'd say the, the far east side of B films. Okay. Turkish films because a lot of Turkish films are parodies or satires or... Their portrayals of uh, like more famous American movies and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, for example, there was a movie I remember seeing. It's called uh, like Satan, which looks like the spelling of the vegetarian Satan. Oh, or right, Satan. yeah, yeah. Right, and uh, it's their play on The Exorcist and stuff like that. So, oh, okay. I was like, I remember seeing that, and then you know, looking at interviews and whatnot, it, it gets referenced. These kind of horror films See, in when Turkish. I, when I think of Turkish movies, mm-hmm. not necessarily horror movies, but Turkish movies. I think of the Turkish versions of movie posters, okay, of yeah. Western movie posters, because some of them are mind-boggling. I, I cannot even begin to describe some of the ways that these films are interpreted on these Turkish movie posters. But yeah, uh, believe me, they are like. Take the time to look it up. It's it's pretty amazing. You know that's that's a fun little little side thing to do is when you're looking at movie posters from you know different countries, you get to see some really cool interpretations. Oh, uh, yeah, insane, uh, in the fucking membrane. in the membrane. Yeah, so yeah, in the brain. Yeah, but speaking of our our twenty fourth film, um, I really enjoyed this one, man. So this one, uh, speaking of you know the film itself, this one's directed by I think his name is Ken Evernall, right? Yeah. Uh, so should we throw it out there that like these names are really hard for yeah, us? Yeah, I mean they're We're Turkish sorry. names. Um, I'm a little bit familiar with like Arabic, not so much Turkish per se, but I was I was saying a little bit <laughs> off air that um, I'm a little bit familiar with soccer players, so I'm gonna try. Try doing it that way. Which is, I mean, you being familiar with soccer players is far more experienced than I have with pronouncing some of yeah, these. Yeah, it still doesn't mean that I'm, I'm a, uh, you know, a good interpreter. So if we this. fuck it up, we're sorry. But... Yeah, but we're going to try our best. All right, so, I, and I'm going to let you handle the names. Okay, so. so we spoke about our director, Ken Evernall. Uh, this film is actually based off of a short film that he had done previously, and then he got some funding, and he said that one of the hardest things for him was funding funding for... Uh, specifically Turkish horror films, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this this film actually is, you know, a full-length version of the short 
that he did. It's like 11 minute short, something like that. Yeah, not very long at all. But uh, some of his more recent work, which um, there's a pre-production of a film called The Phil Guide to Evil. And there's a post-production, which I think is an uh, English-speaking film called The Housewife or Housewife. Okay. Um, so that should be coming out, I think, sometime this year, Housewife, that is. I can, I can get excited about that after yeah. watching this. So a lot of the writers involved, which he's one of them, they worked on this film specifically, like some short films in general. Um, you have, I think, a, a person named Ogolkin Aaron Ake. You have Ursin Sedek Glu and Chem Ozuduru. Okay. That's all your writers. Like I said, most of them specifically wrote for Baskin. Gotcha. Including the short. They help with that as well. Um, your God, production companies, I'm, yeah. I'm glad you're the one trying to tackle these names. Yeah, uh, no, they're they're difficult, but I want to try my best. Your production companies, which these are going to be easier to say, are uh, Film Colony, this is the line production company, Mo Film, XYZ Films, which is in association with. Um, your distributors, we talked about uh, Chantier Films, which is the Turkish theatrical uh, distributor of the film in 2015 uh, IFC Midnight which was the 2015 USA theatrical company that helped you mm-hmm. know distribute this film Scream Factory which was uh, 2016 for the US DVD and Blu-ray and XYZ, uh, XYZ Films which was 2015 worldwide one of the people I wrote down that helped produce this film which was kind of cool um, was a person named Todd Brown or is a person named Todd Brown and this person is responsible for films such as The Raid and The Raid 2 and Time Crimes which is really funny because in Turkey The Raid was released as Baskin because it uh, translates to Police Raid exactly which which is interesting right because uh, in a way it does kind of play a little bit off of that right this title oh yeah a little bit uh i would very much compare like the first half of this film kind of to the raid yeah i would agree it's pretty it's pretty gnarly yeah um so yeah this he helped you know help produce this film um i did write down a couple other people which i normally don't write down but i thought i should give them a little bit credit uh this person this was their first dp job the director of photography uh alp grafali right Mm -hmm. they did this film like I said, they, he helped uh, also with, I think, like I said, the, the short version of this film. Uh, music but it was by Ulas uh, Pakan. Did a phenomenal job. Oh, my God. The soundtrack to this is incredible. It stood out to me the entire way through. Yeah. Um, the, the last part, too, was great. Uh, I thought everything in sort of like the last sequence. Yeah. Well, part of it. Part of the music in the last sequence, uh, a small snippet of it was actually lifted in a reference to something else. Yes, yes. It was. Uh, however, everything from that point on was just on point. Phenomenal. Complete, completely up my alley. Not that the rest of the movie wasn't, but no, that, I, that I just completely mean. stood out to me you towards know, the end. We, we talk about these things in film, specifically, in this case, music, right? And how, how it affects... The, the movie in general, right? Mm-hmm. If you have a, a really good score, it doesn't necessarily have to be a soundtrack, but a good score, it sets the mood, it, you know, and it adds a, a layer to the film that otherwise could be really, you know, mishandled or just overlooked yeah, in general. and it... Oh, so good. Yeah, I agree. Set I'm having a hard time a thinking of, of how, to, how to describe it right now. Um, it reminded me a lot like of the synthy, 80s sort of yeah, synthy stuff. Synthy, very ominous, well, the, so, doomy feeling. 
we mentioned that there's there was a part that's lifted from later on. Right. Well, to, uh, we won't go into the details of what I scene it is about, yet, yeah. but they they play something from Cannibal Holocaust, which we we've covered in a yeah. previous podcast. So we can we can uh, we can point it out when we see it, and it fits right in. It certainly does. If you've never seen Cannibal Holocaust, it wouldn't sound at all out of place with the rest of the soundtrack. And Cannibal Holocaust is a fantastic soundtrack, in my wow. opinion. One of my I, favorites. I totally agree. Uh, a fantastic blend between uh, a bunch of different styles and a bunch of different things, yeah. with very much highlighting like the strings and the synth. Uh, and you get a lot of that in this movie as well. You know, which would be an interesting topic, which I don't want to get too far off of. <clears throat> but a lot of the Italian directors during that time period, even a little bit before, they chose the scores almost in that direction, you know, but like I said, that's just kind of, maybe it pays an ode to some of those, you know. Small parts of it reminded me a little bit of Carpenter. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not much, though. It was a little bit more, though, in the, the sort of 80s synth tradition, in my opinion. Though. I agree with that as well. Which, I mean, Carpenter was in there, but I mean more the general, not yeah. sounding like Carpenter stuff. But not knowing you mean, yeah. kind of the synthy 80s feel. Um, the budget for this film wasn't very high. Uh, this is another. Maybe we could call this a micro budget per se. Is three hundred fifty thousand U.S. dollars, right? Or U.S. United States dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, not a very high budget, but I think this film did a really good job with that budget. Uh, I, I agree. I don't know what if. Do we I don't have know. Any... I, I don't have a return number, uh, a gross for this film. That number was unavailable to I me. I hope it's time. high because first off, it doesn't oh. look that cheap. No, and it that, does not, that, not. not that three hundred fifty thousand dollars is a tiny amount of money, no. but uh, here's, this movie looks more expensive. Than yeah, that. here's something a little interesting since we were talking about the fact that they have a three hundred fifty thousand dollar budget was the fact that they did have a choice of three cameras to film with mm-hmm. throughout the film, so that kind of helped a little bit with what the direction they were going in, which gave uh, you know kind of uh, substance to to how they filmed it. You know, nice. So because this is the how does that make you squeal? And you already mentioned that you really enjoyed this movie. I want to say that I also really enjoyed this movie, but... And I'm just going to hang a big star on that but because it's for reasons that just get too spoilery, so we'll address in the guts. Oh, yeah, no, we can reason I really enjoy this movie, and I would recommend it, but... Yeah, we can go there. And we'll go there eventually, (laughs) but I I just want to hang that right there. Because there's... There's things about this movie. I don't... We'll, we'll get there. Uh, however... Oh, my God. The director did a great job. This movie is yeah. beautiful all the way through. Um, totally agree. Like stylish. I, saw, I, I really thought this film was a really stylish film. The first part, like I said, sort of reminded me of The Raid. Later on, it sort of reminded me of, like, The Descent. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there's other films. Hellraiser. That, yeah. Hellraiser. Definitely. So, these are some films that we've covered. Uh, speaking of Italian films, too... Here's a name we really haven't mentioned before, and this is... I was going to ask you about big this. Name. Yes, I know I know about this person okay. uh, because of another person as well. Uh, the, the person we're referencing is Lucio Fulci, right? Now, and I knew you'd be a little bit more familiar yeah. with Fulci than me because I'm I really not too familiar, but okay. I knew that that is an influence, definitely. Yeah, so Lucio Fulci <laughs> is one of the, the, the maestros along with Dario Argento, and you could name like... Mario Bava, uh, you know, people of that magnitude, right? Sergio Martino and things like that. They did a lot of giallos, but Fulci in general, he did a lot of um, kind of a little bit of crossovering. Um, I mean, definitely horror, but the way he told it was different from the way like Argento or these other filmmakers would tell it, you know? Mm-hmm. 
but stylishly, he did he did some amazing things, Fulci. Like he's known for um, Zombie is a, a huge film, House by the Cemetery, uh, Seven Doors of Death, things of that nature. Nice. I mean, he did a lot of films, like I said, from the 60s, 70s, I'm and 80s. Sure at some point here, we're going to get to some Fulci. Oh, we can't help but like I said, we were. I was briefly speaking about the Italian uh, music styles, but these directors. Argento being one, Fulci being another, and all these others we can talk about later on. But they pay a big ode to like to the way these these other film directors out of the eighties and beyond started to film. Right? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, Fulci, his style is definitely borrowed or or it was uh can was inspired by some of the Fulci, he even admitted it, mm-hmm. some of the styles he did, especially in the eighties. So big name. You know, if you're familiar oh. with it, especially Italian horror. Right, and that's the thing. I was familiar with it even having having not seen any of the films. It's yeah, I have name, several like, of his oh, films. Oh, that, that rings out, you know what I mean? I got a really quick, interesting story about Fulci. Um, when I was still getting into, like, the Italian horror directors in, like, the early 2000s, or Gentle being one, like I said, I started buying some Fulci, and I got a uh, Collector's 10 edition of, uh, I think it's just called The Beyond, right? Okay. And, uh... Anyway, um, I went and found another film at Best Buy as well, where I bought the original and the tin. But it was called Seven Doors of Death. And I was like, oh, cool. Or Seven Doors of Hell. And uh, I was like, all right, cool. So I started watching it. I was like, hold on. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> I already like, have this film. I only thought there was five doors. Where are they hiding the other two? No, I was like, I already have this film. And I went over to my tin. I was like, hold on. <laughs> this is the same fucking movie. <laughs> right? So, but it was just because, you know, you have films that are named different films are alternate names depending on who releases them and where they're released oh right brain yeah. dead dead alive exactly so you know we've already had that um so i ran into that mistake with a fulci film gotcha yeah huh. so there you go um so i think we should also well, not, not that we'll really know them from anything else no, but the cast but we'll mention them you know i want to mention real briefly because you know like taglines oh okay yeah can't what help is, it yeah what is the tagline for this <laughs> Into a world of madness and suffering. Okay. You know, that's and that the, kind of harkens back to Hellraiser a little bit, too. Yes, I, I totally agree because he also. And I'm okay with that. I, there's, there's definitely parallels to Hellraiser in this, I think. But. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so, you want to tackle a cast because I'm ready. Yeah, so let's leave the bad guy for last. Yeah, we can leave him for last because he's, he's an interesting person in this film in general. Okay. okay. So. Uh, I guess the main character would be Arda. Arda, right. And the gentleman who plays Arda, his name is Gorkum Gasal, right? I might have been able to say that one. Yeah, it's not too hard. Um, but yeah, I would say he, if if there's a, maybe protagonist per se, I think he would make the main protagonist in this film. I, would, I agree. Okay. Playing another cop, because this is a film based off of basically mm-hmm. cops, a cop story, if you want to call it that. The character is Remzi, and the person who played is Ergen Kuyusu or Kuyuku. Remzi, I guess, would best be the mentor. Yeah, the mentor because, or maybe even the boss. I think sometimes they call him that. Oh, I think no, I think Apo might be. Yeah, the chief. He's the chief. And then there's because they name each other bro a lot in this film yeah, too. They call each other bro a lot, <laughs> which is funny. But later on in the film, Remzi, which is one of the older uh, police officers in the film, yeah, so this is played by him. Uh, Yavus, which is kind of the cockier guy in this. I film. would say Yavus 
Ramsey's might be like the mentor. Yeah. But I'd say the next most important character besides Arda, the or at least the one that most action centers around, oh, would be yeah. Yavuz. Yeah, Yavuz is the most outspoken character in this film. Right. He, most of the action sort of centers around Yavuz, in my opinion. Right, I'm going to tackle his name, uh, Maharim Barak. Right. Okay. That's Yavuz in this film. Um, the next person I have who plays Apu, right? Mehmet Fatih Dakus. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. And we said Apo is kind of the chief. Yeah, he's um, he's kind of the I think I don't know. He he's one of the guys who likes to tell stories. Yeah. But yeah, he's like the chief. He's the one that kind of gives more direction to the, some of these other cops, these younger guys. Um, this guy was what I call the space cadet, <laughs> uh, Safi. Safi. Okay. Yeah, Sabahitin uh, Yakut. There was a, a kid in this film who played a younger version of one of our main characters. Oh, right. Okay, so young Arda. Young Arda. Uh, Birat Effi uh, Pilar. He played young Arda, which we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know if I should mention this person right now. I, I mention them as the creep or an assistant. The, oh. Because we, we don't want to mention the, uh, our... Uh, the the one that only yeah okay yeah. um should i mention this person later yeah we'll mention him later okay okay so just think there's a creep in this film and we'll mention him in a little bit well, we will mention the main uh because I, I i feel like we we really need to give this person his due oh yeah the the main villain i guess you would say credited as baba the baba, father the father yeah because baba in arabic is the same thing as father i think ali baba the great father and his name is they call him Mehmet Abi for short, but Mehmet Seriaglu. Okay. And it's an interesting way how they found him, or how how Ken Evernal found him. Hey, Mehmet. Mehmet Abi. Um, what happened, from what I understand, is he was looking for a specific person to play this character, right? And he had a casting agent who who gave him, you know, I guess like a like headshots of people in the industry in Turkish film. And he came across Mehmet Abi, uh, his headshot. And he's like, wow, you know, his characteristics, of course, which we'll mention. Yeah, he was looking for what? Somebody with defining kind of strange, I guess you'd say, yeah. physical characteristics. Exactly. And he found this person, right? Kind of looking for, I guess you would say, the Turkish Michael Berryman. Yeah, that's a good point because that does get referenced. So making a long story short is he found out that this person is a, uh, I think like a parking attendant, like a car parking. Oh wow! I didn't. Attendant. I knew that this was like right? his first. He has like I think they said he's forty years old, has three children, something like that. But uh, when when he got the script, or when you know they they finally gave him the script for this, he came back and they said like he was drawing out pictures or frames of pictures for certain scenes and things like that. And uh, the director, he's like, he's like, you know, it gave it like a dimension that he was looking for, right? Mm -hmm. And he knew that this guy was really involved, so he gave him some films to watch to give him inspiration for his character. Hellraiser. Hellraiser, right? Apocalypse uh, Now was one of them. Yeah, that's because, a big one. Uh, Kurtz. Yeah, it's supposed Colonel to be Kurtz, for right? the character. It's been a long Marlon time Brando. since I've watched it. So. Great film. Mm -hmm. um, it's. I I own the Redux, which, you know, I, I sat down and watched it, so it's a marathon, but it's worth it. It's mm -hmm. definitely worth it. So he got inspiration for that. The Descent, which you had mentioned earlier, was one of them. Mm -hmm. um, 
there were some others involved. I even think Friday the 13th. I'm not Friday. Uh, maybe it was A Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare Excuse me. On Elm a Nightmare, Street. Nightmare on Elm Street. That's what it was. Um, so he gave him some of these films to watch. And when he came back, he he nailed it, apparently. Or, and I'd say the influence from all those comes through in this movie. Oh, there's two If you know where to watch. Yeah. If you know that that's the influences, it's there. Yeah, it's definitely there. Which you know, which is interesting because we'll delve into in our next section for sure. But making a long story short, this person, um, I think, did a fantastic job, and we'll definitely get into it a little bit more in detail. But it was cool how they found him, and uh, I, you know, I even think they that he said that he before he did the film Baskin, he did a uh, a music video that involved uh, Mehmet Abbey. Okay. And he's like, that even helped it further. Like, he knew that was the guy he was looking for. Oh, crazy. Yeah, so um, I was reading, like, little cool little interviews and whatnot. And we, we mentioned his appearance so many times because... And now, I, he has a rare skin disorder. I didn't see a name for it. No, you know, actually, it's, it's interesting you say that because... It's a condition that's like one in, uh, it's either 30 million or 300 million. It's like some kind of really big number. But doctors haven't come up for a name for that condition, actually. And they're like trying to fund to look more into that so they can actually give it a proper condition or, you know. I want to try to, before you go, before you get into this movie, I think it would be really easy. And I'm trying to say this very delicately because it's, it could be very offensive, I think, but yeah. if you didn't know that, I think it would be easy to think it was some sort of prosthetics. No, I mean, it would be easy to, to make that mistake, right? Because, oh my, like, I don't, I think it's, he, he kind of, like I said, it's kind of just the Turkish Michael Berry man. Yeah. Um, but if I had to describe it, just so that people know what they're going into because people don't like looking at things sometimes. It's kind of like a mix between, like, the Halloween baby mask dolls and old man mask dolls. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not dolls. <laughs> old man masks. I know what you mean. <laughs> baby masks and old man masks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what you're going to get. But, you know, when I watched the film, it's like it didn't it didn't disturb me at all. No. No, it's so cool. No, I thought in he, a way. Fucking, he he did a great job on this film, dude. And like you were right, the, and he's m- fantastic. Most, oh my fucking god! Yeah. I wanted to mention him because <laughs> he's he awesome, fucking dude. kills. He his poise, his demeanor, oh, everything he does, yeah, and his scenes great. is reminiscent of Pinhead. Yes, he has. Right. He holds himself with the same uh, demeanor, same, same demeanor, same has, stature. Yeah, he has a certain, um, like I said, a certain demeanor, a certain. I don't know. A he has a presence yeah. in his in the room that is fifty times larger than he is. He dominates yeah. a room when he's in it. It's insane. It's amazing. Um, I I really really hope that he continues acting. I, I saw well, I a couple. I, I think he has a couple other things yeah. that are out. Um, I wanted to kind of look. Them I didn't up write now. them down. I should have, but I didn't write them down. Most of these are Turkish films, so I mean, yeah, that's the problem. Like, I I'm not sure if I'm going to sit down and watch a Turkish movie just to see him. Yeah, I know what you mean. But I'm hoping the popularity of this movie gets him just further Some recognition really cool across the board in cool films because he truly uh, is a fucking diamond in the rough, just this yeah. star. You know, here's another cool thing about that. And I'm glad you, that you bring this up. Is that when they did finally find him, um, he, being Mehmet, said that 
uh, he had just put in for like casting, and it was ten years in between the time that he took that headshot to the time that the director found him through the casting agency, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess he just in that in the meantime he just he led a normal life. And then they just found him, and he got the call, and this is how he got the role. So a lot of these people in the film, our main cast, have zero to little or none acting experience. So keep that in mind as well. And, and even they if they do, do it's job. yeah, I, I think they do a phenomenal job, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which is really cool. He stood out to me though. Uh, yeah, actually, Arda, I thought did Arda a really did a good really job good job. Too. I thought Yavu's. The guy who Yavuz Yavuz was good. Yeah, Yavuz was good. Man, they yeah, yeah, they all really did do a good job. Yeah. Um, I, I, like I said, I think it was a strong acting. You honestly, like I think maybe for even for Turkey or for for audience in general, it would be a hard time convincing a lot of people that that was their first acting credit or perhaps one of I their agree. early acting credits. I agree. They all uh, seem very much like I guess composed veterans. Yeah. Uh, Which speaks out to. The, the the cast and the crew in general. Uh, I don't suppose you have uh, names for the effects crew because the no, you know, really stood out to me. I think honestly, I think a lot of that is actually some of the um, like the co-producers of the film. Oh, okay. Yeah, a lot of the, the yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I think it is a lot of uh, this, those people in general. And maybe we can talk about that in a second with kind of kind of our warning for it. Oh this yeah, it's pretty graphic. <laughs> This movie has a lot of subjects that are, whoa, holy cow. There's a lot of blood and guts in some scenes. Yeah, there's definitely gore. Just, just, just kind of disturbing imagery. Yeah. Uh, I would say pretty disturbing sex, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's there's like this some weird, um, maybe like... Satanic themes? Ri- yeah, satanic themes, like ritualistic... I don't think it's too origins. much... I don't think it's too much of a... I, I almost didn't want to say sta- satanic themes because... It almost feels like a spoiler, but I Not realize really. like all the descriptions everywhere are like five cops wander into hell. Yeah, which I almost don't agree with watching it, but I mean no, I do, no, I, I do. I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I know what you mean because it's like so catchphrases like that can be very misleading, mm-hmm. you know, especially when you put a tag like that on it, you know. But um, yeah, I mean, but there are ooh. definitely things that evoke a hellish atmosphere and hellish. Uh, yeah, there's torment very and very chauvinistic, homophobic slurs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, if you're not, if you're not, I don't know, if you're not okay with oh, yeah, PC language, yeah, rough language, yeah. that's for sure, and just crude sex talk too. I forgot about that towards the beginning. Yeah, so this this film will evoke terror, dread, horror. You know, it's going to do that in this film. So if you don't like that, you're you're in the right. wrong you're in the, the wrong spot. <laughs> and the effects for, team does a great job of reinforcing that. Wow, do they? Man, they do a great job. That's part of the reason why I would have a hard time believing this budget. Yeah. Um so like it, it, it pays great. owed and it a little bit later on I'll talk a little bit more about the director because he mentioned some really cool films which I want to talk about, but not until after. Cool. So well, I think that means it's a good time to just jump into our next section. Oh, you know what where time Where we get it is. deep into this movie, get into the spoilers, oh, yeah. and just sort of rip open the belly and get to the guts and bolts. That's right. Guts and bolts. What time is it? Oh, I think it's time for the guts and bolts. I think you read. <laughs> yeah, man. So this is where we can actually talk about the film, right? 
All right, so earlier on, I hung a big asterisk. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I like this film. I would recommend this film. But, but. after after a lot of these movies, and we're just sitting around bullshit, and we, we keep mentioning that one of these times we're going to decide to try a movie, or we're going to get recommended a movie, and we're not going to like it. Yeah. This definitely wasn't that. Like I said, I like this movie. I would recommend it. It pushed the boundaries. <laughs> oh, yeah, no doubt. It pushed it for me, because... There was too many things that I really liked about this movie to say that I didn't like it. Right. But I think overall, one of the things about this movie that stood out to me is that it's too vague. I don't mind vague. We've done quite a few other movies where some of the ending is left open to interpretation. But they throw a lot of ideas out there at you. Oh, yeah. And they don't really reinforce any of them. Not necessarily. Maybe we can we can uh, expound on that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is the spoiler section, yeah. so uh, I don't know necessarily what order. I mean, we can hit this in order in order, but the, I, I feel like almost the first half of the movie can be summed up pretty pretty easy because you have the awesome, you have a fun scene with them, sort of establishing <clears throat> the. Well, you start with yeah. the the dream of the kid, right? Yeah. So it, it's essentially. The young Arda, right? Which, well, I think that's probably a reveal. It's a young kid, right? That's that's probably a reveal, yeah. yeah. But it's a young Arda, like. yeah. Which we'll we'll find out. But it's it's a kid who we'll find out is Arda later on, who's sleeping. You see like a bunch of his toys and things like that. You get shots of that. From what I understood, it was more kind of like a Freudian lead into. And then you get the close up of the kid. He wakes up out of his dream. He hears moans. It sounds like sex moans, right? Coming mm-hmm. from his, his mom's room or his parents' room. He goes up to the door. He puts his ear to it. It stops. And then he starts to notice the, the TV's on in the living room. Like there's static on the TV. He goes in the living room, turns the TV off, goes back to, to the hallway towards his room, his parents' room. And uh, that's where you get that ominous synth music starts to play, right? Build that that dread, that suspense, because the kid's dreading something. He starts to hyperventilate, and you see this, like, creepy hand or a figure. And not just that, but going back through it, since since I know that we watched these movies two times, one of the things that that pops up, especially in relation to Arda, and it seems like the director kind of uses throughout the movie is kind of a sign of, like, when hell is moving in, is, like, bathing things in this red light. And when he turns back around, like, kind of by the door and stuff, is the first time where there shouldn't be a red light coming from anywhere, but suddenly, like, the end of that hallway is sort of bathed in this red light. And he, you know, later on in the film, too, because we're, like, we're hearing the guts of bolts, is that you start to, well, I started to notice certain shots were red, were dominant, you know, mm-hmm. as, a, as a filter or whatnot. <clears throat> but stylistically, he did that on purpose, which we were talking about Fulci and things like that. A lot of those directors did that stuff on purpose. And so this is the first time you get that, though. Yeah. Um, and you get the hand reaching towards him. Yeah, so he runs towards his mother's bedroom, right, or his parents' room, starts to bang on it, calls for his mom. Then you see what looks like it's peering out from his room, a figure, maybe, perhaps, and then you see the door close, then you get the main title, Baskin, mm-hmm. right? And then we're in the, the awesome diner. music yeah. already. We get some, uh, we get like a little, I don't know, a little scene of a, a diner, like, it's sign kind of going in and out, the light, 
right? Mm-hmm. It's late at night. You get the uh, the scene of the the police van. It kind of goes in the camera inside the van, and then you see the picture of the the police officers, right? And then we get an inside shot of a couple of guys talking about soccer or football. Have you? Yeah, they're talking about how to place their bets and stuff. Yeah, on and essentially games and... it's just you know just guys talking about placing bets for football games, Spanish and, football. And these five officers are the main characters of the story. Right, exactly. So you kind of get a build up of what these characters are about, right? They're police officers at a diner late at night. You get bet talk, and then it quickly turns into crude sex talk, how they lost their virginity. Seems like most of them lost them to animals, thanks to being in the Turkish military. Yeah, I wrote down an interesting stat, because one of these guys talked about it, right? This Apu. They have the colonel, the chief, whatnot. He's speaking to Arda, right? He tells him, he says, 70% of Turkish men lose their virginity by fucking an animal, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And then Yavuz is like, no, tell him it's more like 20%, right? But the whole point is they're talking about, you know, something about fucking chickens, right? Right. Apo says his first time was an elephant. Yeah, an elephant. Yeah, so they're making fun of, like, fucking and so here's the thing. So, animals, bestiality. Uh, I think, I mean, we, we sort of search around a bunch of different sources to try to find what we can about yeah. these movies. Uh, and Some I know tropes that one, and things like that, right? Yeah, tropes. This and that, you know, different interviews and stuff, just so we can try to bring you as much information as we could gather. Yeah, exactly, because we like info. And I saw someplace saying that this scene set up how they all died later in the movie. I read that, too. Um, I don't agree at all. I could see a little bit, but not what they're saying for, specifically. For what's his name? Uh, dude that tells the story about... Uh, getting with the transvestite. Oh, yeah, Yavus. Yavus. I couldn't remember his name. Yeah. For Yavus, I can kind of see it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, so Oppo would would be supposed to be gluttony, but he yeah. doesn't do anything gluttonous during that. In Not, fact, he's of. the first one to bring up fucking animals. Yeah. I just fucked up. I think he's the first one to turn the conversation to sex. It's just that Yavuz is the one that's more likely to go on about a story and shit. You know what's and Yavuz is also the one to exhibit wrath. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um, Which most of those are are more directed towards him in general. I would think the the sins per se. Mm -hmm. Um, You know that something I forgot to point out during this time is we get the first glimpse of a cloaked person. Carrying a bloody fucking bucket of something, right? Because you see that kind of initially in oh, the, right. the lead into the restaurant scene or the diner scene with the, the officers. And I mean, this is the guts and bolts. It, it's yeah. the father. Right. Which, it's and pretty this awesome. is kind of some of the weird stuff that yeah. I, don't, I don't even. We'll get there here, in, I guess, in, <laughs> yeah. a, in a it's, second. It's interesting because they, they talk about it. It's not a little bit. Well, I mean, I'll talk about it a little bit. But yeah. anywho, yeah, so we get to see glimpses of the father, Baba, right? Mm hmm. Anywho, like I said, uh, one of the guys we get to see is uh, Safi, right? He's the one who just kind of, he's got a headache. And they talked about it, and he's telling the guys to shut the fuck up about the soccer bets. It's making him sick. Uh, later on, he doesn't even, like, rush off to the to the bathroom. Kind of, like, washes himself off. Mm-hmm. And we get to see, you know... Oh, and he freaks out because he sees the hooded figure behind him. Yeah, even then, you, you don't and know if that's what the... he's freaking out maybe about, perhaps, but I think it is. Yeah. You know? Well, we see that the hooded figure is there when the camera is oh, in a way yeah. where he's not yeah. obscuring it, and then the camera kind of moves some, and he stands up, so we can't see the hooded figure anymore, 
But if you follow his line of sight, there's no way he would, would be yeah, missing it. I would imagine. So. It was like, how can you not see that? Plus, the frog was there, and the frog always kind of yeah. is Do you know, or did you read anything about why they use frogs? No, I didn't read that. Apparently, from our Because this might make me like the movie more. So Yeah, our director said that he used frogs, because you see frogs a lot. And he says, in a lot of mythology, which it's true and... It's not. I mean, it's it has duality meanings, right? Frogs mm-hmm. in mythology is that <clears throat> frogs are you know they're symbolic, of course. They're used as symbols here for fertility, things of that. It could be for wealth. Uh, Egyptians, you know, once the uh, the Nile got flooded, that's when it brought on the frogs, essentially. So they even I think they even created a deity to, okay. uh, according to the frog, but. Uh, on the flip side of that, though, in mythology, frogs also brought doom or impending doom. Okay. Right? So they're kind of a, an ominous sign, like an omen, which uh, in this film, there's there's portrayals of animals that uh, symbolize in that manner, right? Uh, the impending doom, you see skulls and things like that. And but, I think, I mean, in this movie, even without knowing that there is uh, a connection to mythological doom... Yeah, the the frogs are pretty obviously shown in ways where it's like this isn't good. Yeah, I, you know, I, even even with that in mind, I, I always I, as soon as I started seeing those, I was like, oh, that's there's probably some bad shit going about to go down because when you see things like 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 signs like that, frogs or stuff like you hear in biblical terms or whatever terms you're familiar with, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, something something's going to happen, whether it's good or bad. Something's about to happen, right? So the, yeah, you see frogs and that kind of jumpstart shit. I mean, when he freaks out, that sort of that prompts them all getting out of there and shit. Yeah, but that's one of the things that kind of bugs me. So he, I guess, it's implied that he's sensitive to the this shit somehow. Yeah, it's implied because we're not that that was the weirdest one. Because we know for sure later on, saying, now right? that this is the guts and bolts, we yeah. know for sure later on that Ramsey and Arda. Oh, are totally both sensitive connected. to yeah. this. And they're connected. They have some sort of weird psychic bond that's never yeah, explained. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And it seems like it manifests for the first time in this movie, because Arda seems pretty over... Not necessarily overwhelmed, but like he doesn't know that they could do this. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's, but, it's interesting. But um, we know that they are sensitive. Like, that's for sure spelled out in the movie. But, what's Saif, is that his name? Saifi. Saifi? Yeah, Saifi, yeah. He seems to be, I guess, sensitive, which would make him what the priest refers to as a passenger later. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. But they never explain it. He's never referenced. No. And later on, even though he would, if he's sensitive, then he would be a passenger. But he gets picked off before all the others. Yeah, he does. I mean, before the, he even makes the descent. Yeah, right. he stays on the on the surface level, right? Um, yeah, there's some interesting stuff. Like even even amongst their joking, they had they use that um, that kitchen worker, like this little staff guy, and uh, yeah, you can see like the wrath part of Yavus, where the kids he just kind of giggling at the stories they're telling, right? And he confronts the kid about it, like, so "Why are you, are you calling laughing? me gay? Yeah, this and that. You call me this fight. and that, yeah." Gets in a fist fight with him. It's fucked up. Yeah, that's the part where Saifi's in the in the restroom freaking and out. And Ramsey kind of gives him the permission. To, yeah. Like, he takes the badge from him or whatever. It's funny because that kid does kind of 
throw in a couple punches, but that's about it. At first, it. I thought the kid was going to take Get the him. upper hand, right? But then, oh, yeah, turned no, Yavu's no, turned no. around. No, he is a cop, you know. Let's keep that in mind. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, just like stuff like that, you kind of you can kind of see maybe lead-ins to certain things that might play out later on, right? But no, once, once Saifi kind of collects his shit, the other guys kind of talk about it. Yavu's and Arda. He and still Apu. insists on driving. Yeah, he comes out. He's like, "No, I'm fine. I just lost it for a second. I'm fine." They, they make a, a fuss about it. The scene in the van is awesome with all them the singing music, along to right? the song. Yeah, so the, yeah, they they leave the diner. It's adorable. Safi, it kind of makes me like those guys again a little bit more because they're not unlikable guys, no, but they're, they're kind of presented as kind of they're, bags, here. Though. Here's the thing: they abuse their power a little bit. They here's something that's like I'm glad you hit these these notes. Um, like I said, as they're driving off, Saifi he starts to. To turn turn the radio on, he plays his jam, right? This is what you're talking about. This was actually the first night of shooting. That was the first scene they shot. Oh, wow, that's cool. And the reason they shot that is because, like I said, a lot of these guys were inexperienced, and they wanted to build kind of a, a camaraderie because of the film they were filming. So this was the way to ease themselves into filming. Dude, Oppo drops hot fire. Dropping hot fire. Yeah, he does, man. He Dude. he hits a he hits what like eight bars? Yeah. In the middle, <laughs> just improvises over yeah. the top I'm of like, this bit. Oh shit. He's like, when it gets dark. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember I, it I all. Hit the but mark. I'm like, oh shit. Knock, knock, knock. Yeah. I'm there. <laughs> yeah. Who there? I there. Apple. Hello. <laughs> yeah. It's it was it was dope. But uh here's something cool because we talked about the um the music uh in this movie. That that piece of music is public domain, and oh. so that's why they got to use it. Because if not, it would have cost them a fortune, right? I kind of want to look it up and just tack it to the end of this episode. There, yeah. there's some interview I have, you know, one on my computer somewhere. But anyway, you can, um, if you can find it before I I get this episode together, send it to me because I'm yeah. probably not going to take the time to look. But but I thought that was cool too because when I found out about it, I was I was kind of curious about. It. I was like, damn, that's kind of a dope jam. Yeah. I was yeah. like, man, I was getting down. Yeah, it was a cool I mean, scene. They're I having that. fun. They're having fun in the They get man. called off to an emergency, though. A 4455, yeah. can right? You, can you pronounce the name of the town? Uh, it's fucking hard to say. Ngiach? It's like, yeah, it's like Ngiach. Ngiach? Yeah. Ngiach. Ngiach, I think. Yeah, Ngiach. Yeah, it's a weird name, but. Apparently, this town is spooky, right? There's stories that these guys hear about it, specifically Saifi, uh, the one who's driving. He's heard stories from childhood. There's supposed to be a shit ton of shrines there, but yeah. it doesn't seem to do any good because no, it's no, supposed no. to be spooky as fuck. Precisely. He's like, well, it's isn't it safe? He's like, no, there's like three shrines just around here. Yeah. You know? So they start to drive off on this road for a while. We hit the first thing that bugs me. Well, one of the other things... Not the first thing that bugs me. I talked about one thing already. Okay. Next thing, though, that bugs me. They first stop because a naked man runs across the road. Yep. There, yeah, you see a figure dart across the, the the street, the road that they're on. And it's a dark... Keep in mind, this whole film's at night. Yeah. They stop as they're trying to check it out and yep. shit. Something slams against their fucking police. Yeah, rank. as they're searching for this person. And it does. It like it makes a boom, a big sound. And then when they go around to check it out, it yeah. looks like something scratched some shit Yeah, who knows. It. But there was like a lot of scratch marks. Arda made note of it. He's like, was this here before? No. I'm... So this isn't the first time. Well, they, this isn't the only time they run into something on the road. Right, exactly. But there's, there was but a lot of things But the second time road. is explained. Okay. What the fuck happened this first time? Where did this guy come from? 
That was a good point too, because I was I started thinking about that. Because the second point, the second time makes total sense once we get into it. This time, I was like, hold on, is is when did this happen? So the first thing I thought is there's a weird thing later on, right when they are about to enter the building. Mm-hmm. If it, when we jump ahead a couple scenes for a second, that's no, okay. Where when they're getting out of their police car, they scare off a homeless person. Yeah, and he runs off, and he goes, "Oh, fucking police!" or yeah, something like that. Yeah, fuck the police! You sons of bitches! <laughs> yes, he says that, but he's not naked. No, he's not. He has clothes on. It's not. That's him. the only thing I could think. I can't of. think it's him. I, I wouldn't think that's him. Maybe it's the the so, other thing I can think of because this is the guts and bolts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can kind of. So we're gonna jump bit. way ahead. Okay. Is and I'm not gonna specify the specifics. Okay. But okay, the okay. only other thing I can think of is the creep brings the stone fetus to the top to the to the yeah, above that never world it's fine either does it so if know. the stone fetus grows up in a quick hurry wow. it could it could have because it's a fucking magic wow, I, demonic you know what i never thought of that that's, that's the only other thing i can huh. think of I bet that I bet I just I sounded too. I bet I just sounded insane like to that. anyone who has not watched this movie. <laughs> yeah, but oh, the, holy but the shit. creep <laughs> brings the stone fetus. Yeah, you will. You'll you'll above find out. ground, yeah. and it never gets explained. But you might just have. Uh, there's a third idea that was running in my head. What's your idea? Mine was thinking because we see you know the second outcome of what happens in the road that. Of course, because there's like it seems to be some kind of weird loop going on yeah. with time and space, maybe in general. I was thinking maybe there's another portrayal of those events that got played out that we didn't get to see. Like that was just another scenario. I was kind of thinking of that, and we'll get into that. I think in a yeah. little bit more later. But that was one of the things that bugged me because, like I said, there's a lot it, of like I- said, it's very vague. Yeah, there's a lot of ideas for how I this like could be. Though played out I, I kinda that like are this, thrown at you in this movie this baby. but none of them are explored to the point where you no. know what's going on and i feel like even like you can leave it vague but i feel like yeah. even just a little bit more idea on how the structure is supposed uh, to be i agree would would have just elevated this movie to like masterpiece level and it would make it even scarier yeah really you know I I because right now it feels because there was a lot of vagueness. right now it feels too vague for me to yeah. be really scared of it because I don't yeah. it feels too much like it couldn't happen like it's too much just chaos and this and that like yeah. the scariest things are when they they present it as just real enough and I think that was part of my thing with it is just it's just a little bit too vague for me and that I know that that bothers some people but I guess it it just it bothers me on more like a Come on, just give me that fucking information. Level. Yeah, like, I understand that. I completely understand that. You know, and for me, it's, you know, I'll put it this way. This this film is a lot better than a lot of horse shit out there. That's absolutely true. That's the thing. Like, but you're right. But it could, it could have been, it's like, it's really fucking good, but it could have been just a, like, it could have been, you're right. It could have been, mm, could have been really epic. It could have been really epic. But it's okay. It's it's an ode to him because I feel like 
if this is a direction the director's going in and he keeps pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, maybe with more funding. Right. Oh, I agree. You know, I'm super excited. Could knock it out. Especially if he keeps with this sort of extreme yeah. shit. So. Um, because he, he pays owed to a lot of things and can, we'll talk about it. If I can give this guy a Hellraiser remake. Holy shit, yes. I think he would be perfect for it. Fucking, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I, would, I would be 1 million percent behind um, that. My, you know, wow, that would be... Fucking make Mehmet fucking. I just think pinhead. God man, damn it! God, that would be fucking dope. A Turkish pinhead. Yeah, I mean, there's supposed to be multiple Cenobites. Um, what makes us think that he couldn't have a portrayal of, of his version of pinhead? And even oh my god, it'd be dope to have like I don't know him speaking in Turkish, but all the characters understanding him anyway because yeah. he's pinhead. You know, he's well, exactly. otherworldly and. Yeah, I mean, it, he would transcend language barriers at that point. Mm-hmm. I would hope, um, but no, that was that would be fucking dope. Oh my god! Anyway, um, yeah, I know we'll we continue on. on tangent. But no, that like I guess getting us all the way back to the van part where you see the first encounter of the the figure of the dude running across the fucking woods street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you see that big bang. That doesn't really get explained either. Which I mean, I With guess the scratches and stuff. If it's full grown stone fetus. Then yeah. that could make a bang, right? I could, yeah. I mean, because maybe it has supernatural strength. How could I could see that? But if a time loop's going on, then what's the point of it other than to make the bang? I, perhaps, like I said, there's just all these scenarios. Oh, you're right because it seems so like it would vagueness. make an awesome soldier for the demonic forces. I mean, okay, so like this kind of involves hell. Like well, we, yeah, we've already talked this, about that a little bit. They like, make mention of the fact that spooky shit happens in this place, right? And there do sort of seem to be demonic forces. They don't necessarily seem to be too intent on invading our world, but I don't no. think they'd be against it either, is what it seems like. No, there's just there's just a drift over effect. But um, what we see as a result of the figure running across the street and those guys yelling at the fucking whatever is supposed to be there is that they start to see a bunch of frogs again, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it might have been Yavus or Apu, one of the two, that make a joke like, oh... I guess these are the ones that jumped into the van and, and smacked against it all yeah. at once. Exactly. So they're making jokes about it, right? But like I said, once again, this is leading to something very ominous. They get in, they start going, and this time, instead of just seeing a figure, they fucking run into it. Yeah, because he, he I think Safi Yavus is yelling at him. He's like, he's like, it was just a fucking frog that you saw. He's like, yeah, it was a frog that ran across the street, right? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, as soon as he turns around, boom, he hits a dude or some yeah, dude. A figure, right? Runs it over. They he go into wrecks the water. into a creek or some shit, right? And this is the first time we get an Art of Dream sequence where yep. they're back in the diner and he's talking to Ramsey. Yeah. And Ramsey's being fucking cryptic as fucking Yoda. Yeah, you know, in this conversation, they're having conversations and this is how it starts is, you're right, it cuts back to the, uh, the diner. I think it starts with Apu and Yavuz, they're watching a game show, mm-hmm. a Turkish game show, and they're giggling. Saifi. Oh, now that we're in the diner, yeah, I, I forgot to mention it. The first time we're in the diner, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that bugged me about the appearance meat of fathers, the yeah. meat. I feel like it would make more sense if somebody would have ate the meat. But I think nobody... it was implied, not maybe those guys, but it was implied maybe that that's, they were feeding meat to the customers. I think it was implied that they were feeding meat to the customers, but I, don't I think maybe even I think it would have served the story more. Maybe not. Maybe it's just me being nitpicky for some being, for some stupid reason. 
but if there's a fucking if there's a time loop going on yeah. and they're being served that meat if one of them would have ate it it could have been one of them eating themselves you want to hear something really silly? it could have been one of them eating yeah uh what's his name the driver safi oh safi yeah or safi safi yeah. because he's the one that gets dragged off first yeah, he does in that room but nobody eats it it's left to burn it's weird um i was just thinking i was like wow maybe this is a reference to uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre True, right? Where you get the chili cook-off and you find mm -hmm. out that uh, the, the dude... I mean, I think it's probably more... I think it's meat. probably more more symbolically like they're the meat being thrown onto the fire of hell. Well, yeah, I know I know what you mean by that, but it's just... It's weird. It's like, man, this... The cannibalism aspect of it, right? That yeah, if you're going to have a time loop, it could have been like Safi eating himself and making himself sick. Wild. Yeah, maybe that's why he's and, getting headaches and shit. Because he ingested his own knowledge through himself. Yeah. Possibly. He's like, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> he, yeah, because his, his whole presence there is kind of awkward in the first place. Because he's the one, he, you see him staring off, and you see that guy outside, like, cooking. It looks like he's cooking on a grill or something. You see those little fire mm -hmm. sparks. But then you see the clip. Oh, yeah, we jump back forward again. Yeah. When guy cooking on the Well, you're right. But then it goes to Arda and Remzi, and they're talking about... Well, Arda, he says, you know, it's my father says it wasn't polite to talk about dreams at night, right? And they get the giggling. And he tells, he says, look, Remzi, I've never told anybody this story before, but uh, he says when, well, he talks about how his father came up with a name for him, right? When his mother was six months pregnant, his father had a dream, and in the dream, he was, Arda was being delivered, and his father heard the name, his is your son Arda, so... He was named Arda while his mother yeah, they, was six months pregnant. He's like, my folks were really into dreams, so they didn't even think twice about it. They're yeah, like, so that's how Arda. he was named, whatnot. Um, and then he starts to tell the story about uh, his cousin, right? He and his cousin, when they were little. So I think the implication later on, since this is the guts and bolts, and this is a fucking complicated movie, yeah. and I'm really trying to unpack it. This is like some... Is this is that, maybe why... Hold on. Right before we get there, I know what you mean. I think maybe that's why he was telling that, that dude to watch some, A Nightmare on Elm Street, because there's a lot of dream stuff going on here. There's a lot of dream stuff going on, and I'm just... I'm still trying to unpack this movie a little bit, because yeah. it's really complicated, and I think if I could unpack it and make a little I'll, bit more I'll sense to of you, it, baby. it'd make me like the movie even more. Yeah. But I think the implication is that from the conversation that the father has with both Arda and Remzi later mm -hmm. on in the movie, yep. is that, was it him that came to the parents in the dream and told them to name him Arda? His, who, the, the dad or? The father. Right. Baba. Oh, 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 oh. Did Baba come to the parents in the Ooh. dream? That, you know, that would be a really cool fucking question to ask i know <laughs> let's get these turkish motherfuckers on the phone i know man i'm down if anybody knows uh what was the director's name i'm sorry it was either can or can ever know <laughs> yeah We're or any of the writers we'd like to ask some questions i would love to ask them <laughs> yeah we have some juicy stuff we'd like to talk about and this or is if they them. could just listen to this and yeah let them know we're interested and email us the answers yeah or if any of you think you have the answers, you can email us. Yeah, please. Because I feel We're like this movie opens up a lot of interpretation. Be and you hit the nail on the head when you said is, it, there are things that are very vague, and it's open to interpretation. So I, 
I felt like the implication after watching it the second time right. is that Baba was the one that came to the parents to name him Arda. Because there's a lot I of time play, that. too. Yeah. No, that's obviously. a good point. That's a very good point. Um, I never thought about that, man, really. Um, which would make sense because he, he appears in between and in, in, it seems like space time, right? Later on, we get well, to see and Ramsey apparently always sees him. Yeah, he just doesn't. Oh yeah, Ramsey. Yes, Ramsey does see that because they talk about that. Um, I, I want to talk about that little story. If that's yeah, okay. yeah. Let's talk about the story. Sorry, because no, that okay. that's another part that is very open to interpretation. I, I, I kind of like this. I thought to me listening to. I think this we're about to go times. off on another huge tangent oh, know, because man. of the story. Jesus Murphy, remember we are fried squirms. Yeah. <laughs> um, Arda tells this story about when he and his cousin were little. And he says, you know, they used to go to the, uh, the movie theaters and whatnot. And this one specific time after a movie, this apparently was after his cousin's dad, which I guess would make his uncle, maybe? Yeah. I would think if it's yeah. if that cousin's kid's his dad, cousin. Uncle. Yeah. All right. So this, his cousin tells Arda that he saw uh, his dad, his cousin saw his dad's soul leave his body when he died he and his brother were in the same room right the brother didn't see it the brother didn't see it swears he didn't see it but the kid swears that he did right the cousin so they talk about that and then they they said they made a promise that night in the alleyway that um that they would promise not to scare each other whoever died first whoever appeared to each other first would not scare each other right and then he talks about like being, um, I guess going home that night, going to bed and all that shit. He had a dream. And in that dream, uh, he, he was like in a crowd, right? And he got nervous. He had this dread or this fear inside of him. And he said his cousin appeared and held his hand. And, you know, he told him something like he'll be all right or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. He told him not to be scared. And then he said he woke up out of that dream, but he was still dreaming. He just woke up out of that dream state into another dream state where... It was the beginning of the movie with the kids sleeping. Yeah. And hearing the moans and going to the door and all that stuff. And um, and then he wakes up at the end of that and he says that he continues to have that dream. Yeah. He, he like he had that specific dream. Well, he's had it reoccurringly, but he had it specifically that morning. Right? Which is what we saw. Yeah. Exactly. It wasn't it actually happening. We saw his dream. Exactly. And he said he found out like later on that, that afternoon when he finally did wake up for real this time. Right, his his mother got a phone call later that afternoon. He could tell by the tone of the voice that something wasn't right. His cousin had died that night in a car crash, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why all that shit was happening, right? But here's something, too, because we're talking about cars and car crashes. We're about to find out something, too, about uh, Arda's parents, right? Because Ramsey starts to ask. Oh, uh, yeah, how long? How long was it after... Your, your parents, parents that you had this recurring dreams and he's like maybe a year after yeah, the car and crash. they died in the car crash so his cousin died in a car crash his parents died in a car crash there's a car crash that goes on in this film that creates a time loop well here's the other thing so this story ends up getting referenced one other time really heavily yeah and it's when they go back to this weird dream world because this is this is like a weird psychic bond yeah, place. This is, this is where Ramsey tells him to look, start looking around. This is where they have that psychic connection, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Uh, after 
after the very first scene in the diner, every right. time you see the diner, it's actually like in their minds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in the point. form of this psychic bond. So Ramsey's being really cryptic, this and that. You get this story out of Arda. Ramsey uh, has Arda open his eyes even more, mm-hmm. uh, and he starts to see that father's kind of always lurking in the background. Yeah, and Ramsey's like, I've always seen him, this and that. But the thing is, I wanted to mention is Arda tells his story later on in the movie when they're in this dream state again. Right. When the scuts and bolts. So when Ramsey's dying, mm-hmm. Ramsey brings up the story again in a way that I thought implied that Ramsey's the friend reincarnated somehow. I can Even see though he's older. He may be using that story uh, allegorically or maybe symbolically. You know? However, the thing As a way that of I, telling him not to be scared. Right. The thing that I felt backed it up, though, was how Father talked to Ramsey yeah. before he killed him about thanking him for shepherding yeah. Arda. Taking care of him. And, and like he was already familiar with him, which would make sense if he That's was... That's a good point, man. A returned soul of some sort. Yeah, because he, he makes a huge implication that that he knows Arda. Yeah, that he knows Arda, and uh, somehow Arda's implicated in this other realm. Mm-hmm. That's a good point because he does make that that mention right then and there. And Ramsey's the one that keeps being like, "There's you, you haven't put it all together yet. Not like, there's yet. Something way bigger going on." Like, yeah, exactly. But he he reassures him throughout. Like Ramsey is is the mentor of Arda, and it would definitely make sense allegorically. But yeah. I felt that in conjunction with that scene with Father, could Ramsey be the returned soul of his friend somehow? Maybe he's also constantly on his prayer beads. That, yeah, that's a good point. Like I said, this is the reason why we need to. Get, this is why we need this info. Yeah, Jesus, like this goddamn movie. Okay, that's okay. It opens the door. It opens the doors. Blood starts to come from his hands, and then water starts to flood the place. Yeah, it starts to, like, flood the whole building, the the diner, that is. And Arda becomes kind of, I don't know, freaked out, and he falls backwards. But when he does, this is where I was talking to you earlier about uh, half of one of their nights of shooting. They only had 28 nights to shoot this film. A Mm -hmm. lot of it, they had to do it kind of, you know, risky uh, right, they didn't always have the permits for all the places. Yeah, so, so they had a little guerrilla tactical shooting and you know some weird stuff going on in really conservative areas. But anyhow, uh, this specific shot right here where Arda falls backwards in the diner into the water that's on the floor, he goes into uh, kind of like an underwater sequence, right? Where mm-hmm. he's falling in the chair. and Anyhow, and he's floating... That that whole shot said it took up almost all of one of their nights of shooting. I believe it. Yeah. It was a great shot, though. And then these Beautiful giant shot. hands reach in to grab Yeah, her. and he starts to swim near it. And as he does, speaking of Arda, that's where the guys pull him out of the the creek that they had wrecked into. Yeah, and he comes to... And... Right, so the whole dream... It might have been his dream sequence inside of the van, or inside the police van, right? And you get kind of a cliche sequence with some weird-looking villagers that warned him not to go on. Yeah, but... you get this big, tall, goofy-looking... I mean, not goofy, but he looks kind of, you know, like he's he's country-strong. Turkish and country strong. <laughs> one one of my favorite things is that frog is that woman where they they really don't care if these guys go on or not. But the less. woman's like... 
well, it's like, uh, she's like, you shouldn't go up there. And she, they're like, no, we have to go up there. Like, there's work to do. And he's like, I'll only tell you for your own good. Right. I understand it. If you have work to do, it's your bread and butter. You should go. No, you're right. And they all kind of look at each other like, are, okay. All right. Yeah. And the little girl, who is it? I think it might have been Yavus who kicked over the bucket of the frogs and mm-hmm. revealed that it was frogs in the bucket. She goes, like, this little girl goes to pick them up. And that's where one of the guys starts to mention where they're at. He's like, does anybody have a phone? Because they lost communications, right? There's no phone. Their fan's properly fucked, right? Nothing's and, working. And they're seriously just like 200 meters from the place they're supposed to right. be. Right, and that's where they find out there. And was it Injiluk? Injiklak? Injiach. Injiach. Yeah, there we go. Injiach. But yeah, one of the guys pipes up. What, what was interesting, too, there was like a guy who was slow, Mm-hmm. Right, he had a learning disability, but he was laughing at them, and Yavus took offense. Like the guy was mocking them that they crashed because the guy is laughing. He's like, ha 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 mm-hmm. ha ha. He's like, did you crash into the to the uh, creek? <laughs> right. And Yavus takes offense, but they find out. You know, the guy's slow. And anyhow, long story short, you're right. They're 200 meters from that t- that place, and uh, they're like, all right, well, you coming with us? Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, oh, all right. So, yeah, yeah, this is the guy that you talked about earlier that ran off and said, fuck the police. Yep. Yeah. So, suspicious. <laughs> yeah, so as as they're kind of leaving that little camp, that little frog catcher camp, that little girl starts to bang on that cauldron or that kettle. And, and she says stops. something that I never caught, which I wanted to know what she says because it, did, it wasn't. I know, they didn't, they didn't subtitle it. I even it. searched and I didn't get an answer. So and all those an motherfuckers know because they speak the language. Yeah, and I was I like. I wish we knew. I was like, it sounds a little French, but that's not French. It's Turkish. Yeah. What I but was I like, curious. I like that scene that envelops from the cauldron or the. I cattle. wish I would have counted, mm-hmm. but I'm curious if the amount of taps on her bucket is the same as the amount of knocks on his mom's door. Mm. That involves another viewing. I'm down. <laughs> yes, I'm curious. No, that's man. Since so much of this really seems cool. to loop in some way or another. Man, I need some. I need some more inspiration. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's that's really cool. That's a cool connection, if there is one. Yeah, I don't know if there is or not. I'm just throwing it out there. But no, if if somebody knows for certain, let us know. If not, we'll go back and find out. If it's not a connection, somebody should have made it a connection. I know. We're making one right now. I love Right connection. now. Boom. <laughs> but they head over there, and like you said, the guy runs off and shit. But they start going in. Before, Place is creepy. before they do, he kind of explains what... That place was, or the building, right? Oh, it used to be a police police station station in the Ottoman days. And And then then when he was a kid, it was a stable, and it's been deserted since. No one goes there, Mm -hmm. right? So they bring that fact up that during the Ottoman days, it was a police station, which involves the police raid, Baskin. Mm -hmm. And as they start to enter it, they start to find these weird decorations that seem to be mostly hair and bone and a little bit of gristle. yeah, which looks kind of occultish or ritualistic of some some yeah, kind. Yeah, I, I kind of thought of them as like these weird like fetishes of some sort. Yeah, I mean, there's there's certain films that we've talked about and even briefly mentioned, but it kind of reminded me of like Blair Witch and stuff like that. You see yeah, these weird and, things in the forest or woods. I mean, and it was notes of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but Texas Chainsaw, it was much more ornamental mm-hmm. whereas this was much more like you said ritualistic where that's how i felt it didn't it. necessarily have to look pretty because yeah, yeah. to whoever put it there mad. it was serving some sort of purpose yeah precisely it wasn't there for uh 
Not necessarily because they were pretty, but because they served a function. Okay, so I wanted to mention, uh, right before the guys do enter the station, right, the police station, is um, I think there's a moment where Saifi, he sees the, the, the police car that was left there from the, the previous unit. Right. right. And he goes inside and he tries, I guess he tries to like make me, no, he's looking for the keys and stuff, right? Can't find anything. And he starts to panic or freak out again. One of the cops, I can't remember exactly who, comes up to him and they start talking about. He says, "What is?" He said, "We've got the, uh, we've got the guns, we've got the badge. What are you screaming about?" Mm-hmm. Right? He says, "He says, what does our, our the first words of our anthem, our national anthem, say?" He says, "Fear not." He's like, "Exactly." So that's how he gets safety to come out of the car, and then that's when the man runs off that they brought oh, from the right. yeah the can. He's like, "Yeah," what he says, "Fuck the police." Yeah, sons of bitches. Yeah, exactly. Coming straight from the underground. That's right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're bringing you the hot Turkish fire. Oh man, he was, dude. <laughs> yeah, but this is where the police officers they enter the station. They comment. The first thing they comment on is the smell of the place. Um, then that's when they like, they start to find that. Creepy it's kind of a general sweep, ornaments. and they find more of those fetish ornaments. Yeah, and then they stumble upon some eggs, like. And they, they it ooze like, like this liquid out of them. Kind of seem like blood. Yeah, a little Not bit. Not positive, but kind of. Yeah, and then Yavuz, he starts to throw up. He gets sick, throws up. And then uh, they I start mean, to search around a little bit more. And then that's when they find... Everything kind of happens at once. Yeah, it happens pretty quick. They find... They find a, a, one of the guys from the previous uh, police units banging his head on the fucking wall, like, repeatedly. And he's not really responsive to much. Yeah, he does respond a little bit. Like he stops banging his fucking head and he follows him. He has like a, 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 like a, almost a a childish whimper Mm -hmm. about him. Yeah. Doing that kind of stuff. But they order Safi to take him back to the car. Yeah, I don't know if that's the best thing to do. Uh, And let's just follow Safi for a moment because as soon as they break off is when everything else happens. Yeah, Safi and he's starting to lead the guy. It looks like out of the the building apparently, but he and this is all intercut back and forth. What else is going on? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The the only other point that that's happening is the other guys, Yavuz, Apu, Ramzi, Arda. They're starting to go down the stairwell. Yeah, they find a giant stairwell. But yeah, and then that's when it cuts back to Saifi and and the uh, the cop that was banging his head, and Saifi stops because he sees a frog again, and the frog leads him into another room or another section of the building. And as oh no, uh, remember we said about Doom. There's a couple times when Saifi goes down to this room that it cuts back to the guy the the headbanger. Yeah. And whenever they do, he's bathed in this, the the hell light. Mm-hmm. The red, either behind him or right on yeah. him, is the red light. Um, but Safi, fucking just because of the frog, he follows the frog. Yeah, goes down this corridor. Ooh, what, what do we find down there? And corridor? this is our first little glimpse glimpse into the hell. Hell, yeah. And we see like these chained up. I don't know, like hooded. Most of the figures are yeah, hooded. They're 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 hooded in the sense. Ninety percent of the figures in this not movie the are whole hooded. face, just yeah. like their eyes and their nose up, right? Mm-hmm. And some of them are full hoods and shit. Yeah, well, some are. Some yeah. are. You're right. Um, not all, but most. Yeah, no, yeah. Ninety percent of the the hell figures you see in this movie are at least like partially hooded. Yeah, and they're supposed to be. Um, 
kind of disambiguous what I mean like that you're not supposed to really know whether or not they're male or female per se and it's just supposed to be lots a, of like really a quick cuts of them but what yeah. you see is really disturbing oh and like, yeah there's like dudes getting like his, it seems like so at first I thought it was two people getting it on right. but the dude's face is getting shoved into a like plate, a plate of, of like slop. hamburger or something yeah gore <laughs> and hamburger helper <laughs> Uh, the figure definitely had breasts. Yeah, that was slamming his head into it. That's weird, but it kind of also seemed like he might have been getting raped at the same time. It wasn't entirely clear, and the rest of the weird. the rest of the rooms were mostly weird. just like writhing bodies, and uh, I think there was a yeah. little bit of no, not yet. The, uh, it was mostly just like writhing bodies and hooded figures, and it's exactly bound just some chained and gagged up and chained and shit yeah and then safey of course naturally starts to fucking lose it and they all turn they, their attention on him and he they snatch him up they snatch him up and that's yeah. it and after he gets killed or as he's getting killed it cuts back up to the the headbanger and he just starts giggling yeah he's like has this weird laugh about him right and it's a beautifully shot scene oh yeah no it's gorgeous and a lot of it too here's here's something i i, I want to mention and i need to mention too is um he said one of his inspirations, too, for this film is a movie called, um, it's called Only God Forgives. Okay. And that's that's one with uh, Ryan Gosling, right? And that film was very stylistic. It was, like, very stylish, right? Oh, the gauze. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he kind of wanted to do a little bit of that, too. He wanted to kind of borrow, because there are some other films that he mentions as well, but that's a little bit of that, that stylish approach but i mean this is what i was talking about earlier though like safey seemed like he was somehow attuned to all this yeah he was super just, sensitive to what was just going on up but to not. the fucking bondage crowd and yeah I, it'd be cooler if he was fed himself earlier in the diner and that's you what's know. causing his headaches but since there's a time loop going on which we'll go into more later but we don't see him again after that point, no we never we? see him again so and we do see him get drug off. Yes. Or, yeah. So it's maybe he was ground up because there's butchers in this. We're about to find out. Mm-hmm. And you never, the you don't know what hap- what happens to the giggling headbanger. Yeah. He he doesn't make any other presence. So Does it makes he strip me wonder, off his clothes and run through the woods? Could have been him. Perhaps. See, that's another variable in the story we need to figure out what happened with him he could also be just like a like just a lost soul in that because it's supposed to be hell right Mm -hmm. he could be just a lost soul wandering around got stuck there in interacting with i mean he's part that's the other thing i wish i knew more of what happened to the old unit because yeah they don't show what happens to the other unit no previously that might be a good prequel well, especially because Ramsey. Well, and then Ramsey later on implies that they were summoned and that there was no distress call. Mm-hmm. There was a fucking car there. Yeah, they run into a guy that was there, and you see a cop hat that he points to. That's what causes him to start moaning and crying in the first place, and that's why Safey had to get him so, out of there. I mean, Ramsey's being all cryptic and shit, but yeah. some of this, I, I'm not sure how much you can dispute. But I mean, so much is left vague that. Fuck, I don't know. I mean, I like I like how you have to kind of narrate it, but it shouldn't be for the whole movie. You shouldn't have to narrate the whole movie for yourself. Yeah. Certain parts should be, you know, maybe for interpretation, but not the whole movie. I know what you mean. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, he, he gets... Not, he gets... Safey, he gets snagged up, right? So he gets drug off, so perhaps maybe he gets 
put on the grinder. At the same time, the others run into a They go up into room. a cult room, right? Is what I wrote down. Like, this weird rapey frog scene on the on the on the wall was like written in blood and you see like depictions of ra- like Maybe demon a- yeah demon sex and demons and weird mm-hmm. shit going on but i also note that there was a frog yeah there's a frog the, yeah so i mean there's a frog again but they're finding all this and weird i mean i guess shit. one of the i'd say one of the figures could sort of represent the creeper a little bit yeah uh, that's a good point good point very well could be um, here's something fucked up. We find another scene about to come up, and I think it is it Arda who finds all this shit. So Arda, well, because they all split up, and what happens next happens kind of all at the same time oh for my the most gosh. part. Yeah, this is what I was getting at. That kind of happens at the same time. Not that I forgot that they got to the weird occult room first. Uh, but they Oppo find, finds yeah, that's who finds it. Uh, a. Well, he finds a room with like a bunch of bodies, like two bodies wrapped in like saran wrap, on some they're like they're hung up on some chains, mm-hmm. blood, like soaked in blood. Apparently, uh, a girl seems to be locked up in a cage and is yep. possibly alive. Kind of seems like yeah, uh, with a bird sitting on it asleep. Is she, is she the woman in the box? <laughs> and he starts to you know walk in there to figure out more. Yep, Arda goes down a hallway. Mm-hmm. Does yeah, he go with like blood streaks, maybe? Or v- I think this is before that happens. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely before that happens. Where where are Ramsey no, and where he, are uh, Yovu's? Or let me see what happens. Because um, I know Arda goes into that room with all the like the butchers and shit, basically. Yeah, he starts. To, I can't remember how he splits up. They don't. They don't run away or anything like that. That's way before that happens. But he does. Apparently, I can't remember how he walks out. I think he follows like a blood trail from that room. Perhaps, but he walks in on a room of like these female butchers, and there's like just gore. And yeah, this is probably the overall the gory. And he scene starts in the movie. like, like said a natural response. He's just he starts to panic and locks up and uh, kind of does that shit. But um, Apo, I think he's still in the previous room with maybe the woman in the, in the cage, and that's where that figure that one of the ones that looked like it was figure. hung up on the wall is yeah. just a hooded figure and bops him on the fucking head it's like with a, a hammer. like a sledgehammer perhaps mm-hmm. or a small sledgehammer yeah bops him right on the head but uh oh <laughs> right so he gets he gets knocked the fuck out apo that is and then this is where Arda finally screams and fires some random shots off and runs cops they start to run off dude that room is kind follows. of fucked up we i kind it of breezed over that real quick gruesome. yeah we uh, should we should so one figure seemed like it was kind of removing the entrails of a victim with a combination of a knife and its teeth. Oh. It didn't seem to be eating it, but it seemed like it was gradually removing entrails with a combination of a knife and teeth. Nice. Uh, one seemed like it was cutting off... Well, one definitely cut off the leg of another figure, and I'm not sure what was happening next, but... I like, you know what, if you're a gorehound, this is some of the stuff that's pretty good about this film. And then it was implied behind, because there was another two figures in the room, but you could only see them behind a screen as the light flashed on it. And it kind of like one was giving the other one head, if I remember right. That's what I thought. That's what it looked like. And the shadows. Mm -hmm. It could be a a play on shadows. But I kind of liked what they were doing. But he freaks out and runs. Yeah, yeah. And is and it's during happens, this running that things yeah, start to right. get weird and surreal, right? Yavus get Yavus gets captured. He gets drug off. 
this is where I think Rumsey and he get split up. Right. right. This is the scene that you were, I think you were alluding to. And as that happens, as Arda's like turning around looking for Remzi and he's calling out to Remzi, he appears in the hallway of that child's dream. Or the child's dream, right? From the beginning. Or his dream. Yeah, his dream we find out. The ominous music plays again because I, I make note that it seems like there's that synth keyboard that gets played and that impending doom, that dready feeling. And I like that. But he, Arda, the grown-up Arda, sees the child Arda from the dream. And he's trying to call out to himself, right? And you see that cloaked figure with the father, and it looks like he grabs the child. And pulls him into the room. Yep, into the room. And then as that happens, Arda and Ramsey appear at the table in the diner again. I'm still trying to unpack this a little bit. Okay. Did Arda actually get pulled into the room as a kid? Because another... He mentioned when he first told that story, mm-hmm. when he received the news that his friend had died, his he was so shook up that he was basically like catatonic for like 10 weeks or something like that. Yeah, for a while. Was that the same night? Maybe. I know. Was that actually what happened? He also makes mention, too, that his cousin who had passed away that night, he said that in that dream state, he knew there was a presence in the bedroom, his bedroom. Mm-hmm. That's why he started to freak out. He said that he thought it was his cousin in the bedroom. But it might Is it that locked away, though? Or... I'm thinking maybe, like I said, maybe he thought it was his cousin, but it was really the father. Mm-hmm. Possibly. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. So there's a lot of alluding to, to things that maybe are there, maybe they're not. But you're right. Then he's back in the dream diner. Yeah, they're back at the diner, and it's just, I think it's just he and, and Remzi, and then Remzi, this is where you were talking about, uh, he tells Arda that they they weren't called here, they were summoned here, and that they're at a crossroads this evening, right? Mm-hmm. And so what we're finding out now is that when they come out of this state, the cops are now chained to pillars in this Maybe downstairs room or this whatever Some room sort of there. weird dungeon place. Yeah, I like dungeon. Dungeon. I like dungeon. Let's dungeon. go with dungeon. Um, but it seems like they're performing some kind of weird ritual, perhaps, right? And this is where Creepy Do comes out that we were talking about. Right, so there's a, uh, there's a mass of the followers that are all, like, hooded and... Most of them yeah. seem mutilated in some way or another, but you never really get really good glimpses of them for the most part. No, they're really just uh, like very animalistic. They're mm-hmm. very primal, these people, this cult people. And the creeper comes out and for the most part kind of resembles them, except much more done up. Yeah. And you can all, only see half of the face. The other part is hooded and claps and they all come to attention. Yes, and when he claps, this is where the father starts to walk down. There's a spiral, like, metal staircase in that dungeon room. He comes down, and the cult members, they're kind of reaching out. And in reverence. And yeah, exactly. They're just, you're right, exactly, they're in reverence. And he's still all hooded and shit. Yes. But he finally gets down there. Uh, the camera, you can't see it. Uh, presumably, I think that everybody would have seen at least a little bit of it from when he actually takes off his hood. Right. But like he, you can sort of see that something's not quite right from behind, mm-hmm. and some of the markings on his head and shit. Yeah, he does have certain 
marks. Uh, and he washes his hands and his head. Yeah, his hands and yeah, his face, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. he's doing like a cleansing of sorts. Almost like you said, like there's a ritual of sorts going like I on. I said there's a lot of ritual things in this that seem like they're thought out enough that there are rules, mm-hmm. but you don't see enough of any of them to know at all what the rules could be. No. We're... You know, and this too is a a slight play, like you said, you were talking about, and he even mentions this, the, the director, on um, Hellraiser, mm-hmm. this realm right here. And but that's the, the thing, Hellraiser makes sense because oh, makes you sense com- compared compared to what we're about to experience. Yeah, because you you summon Pinhead. Yeah, exactly. This they just responded to a call because, well, two of these guys the. The somehow demon knows about. Yeah, somehow they're connected to this this realm that they've crossed. And they somehow have a psychic connection. Yeah. This other guy somehow feels something happening, but mm-hmm. he apparently doesn't matter. He's still clueless. Yeah, he, he has, like you said, he has a premonition, but he doesn't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And the other, Yavuz and Apu, how are they connected to this? Outside of the fact that they're... They're just around, for the most part. Through um, association, that's it. Yavus makes the worst jokes, and oh so he's gosh. the one that's fucked with the worst. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like this is off. so. It's at this point that we're definitely in the time loop, whether we realize it or not. You, I mean, you're not going to this first time around. No, but. no. So the first time around, you have, like I said, what I got out of it was the experience. Like, okay, they they crossed into this this other realm, this other world, like hell, perhaps. And okay, so now they're going to experience what. What's go? What what happens in the hell, right? So you're right. But that's the thing. So, if the time loop is to be so that they're experiencing hell for some sort of weird eternity, mm-hmm. and that they have to relive all this stuff again and again, their experience overall doesn't seem that bad. For the most part, they oh, all get dealt. Yeah, yeah. They all get dealt with rather quickly. Oh yeah. Uh, everything around them seems to be going through far worse torment. Than they, they ever oh, endure. Even Yavus, what he who gets fucked with the worst. Yeah, his endures... compared to the rest of the crowd. Oh, I'm not saying the rest of the crowd of the policemen, but the rest of the crowd of the cult. Yeah, they yeah. all seem like they've been fucked with far worse Holy than any shit. of these people. Yeah, I would not want to be one of the cult members. I would. I would much rather be in the policeman's position. Unfortunately, I would much rather be in their position. Yeah. So if if their torment is getting stuck in this for mm-hmm. eternity, then. I mean, it's far better. I'm kind of do, I'm doing a little bit of the hand jerk off motion right now because I mean yeah. it still sucks, but it's... yeah, exactly. It's more of a purgatory, I would think, in a way. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, but I mean, if that's if that's their version of hell, it's not that bad. It sucks, but it's still not that bad. Yeah, you know, but it uh, could be a lot worse. You could be one of the cult members, like you said. Yeah, that would really blow. But uh, as as Yavus is, he's like, I think he's trying to mock the the father right or the cloaked figure yeah and i i really don't understand oh, why yahavus yeah. is tried first who knows like, well first, he's I not mean, tried he's first right? yeah well yeah. first you have you get the unveiling basically a father and this is Mehmet, and mm. he's fucking awesome we said he looks a little crazy and you have to yeah. mention that because You're it right. really he, plays he into has the a, like i said he has a, he has a certain condition that gives him a, a certain appearance that can be a little off-putting to people one of the sensitive to that the thing that you should take note of that plays an important part and is 
also not fully explained, but also is played upon in a lot of the imagery for the movie, mm-hmm. is that he has a keyhole tattoo. Yes, he in does. His forehead. Which, you know, the third eye is very symbolic, if you're familiar with all of that thing, you know, all of mm-hmm. all the connotation behind it. So, um, yeah, it plays an important part in this film. First, you go over to Oppo. He's still mostly alive, but, I mean, he had that fucking sledgehammer come down, so he's obviously mostly out of it. Mm-hmm. Looks like they've already fucked with him, which you didn't get to see. Yeah, that's Because he's got a stitched up wound on his gut, and some of his small intestines are already hanging out. Uh, father goes over, sort of fingers it open, rips it open, pulls out a small intestine, wraps it up like an extension cord, and just tosses it over on the ground. Yeah, it's he takes up. very careful care to loop it up, yeah. and then just fucking tosses it away. Here's here's two cool things about that because you're right, Apu. You do you see like the, that scar mark on mm-hmm. his stomach where he eventually gets disemboweled again? It looks like there's a couple of things that uh, Mehmet Abi says the the father in this, which I thought was cool because he does he does explain to the cops that they cross realms tonight, right? And uh, on this specific night that they've, that they've united, that their realms have united, he says, hell is not a place you go. You carry it with you. Yeah, you carry hell with you at all times. You carry it inside you. And then he continues to carry, uh, tell the cops at the cult that they're going to be their shepherds. And then it's just, you know, if they're the animal that shows up at this particular moment, then they're going to shepherd them into this realm. And then that's where, you're right, Apu gets disemboweled. This is here. This is a reference I was talking about with the um, the national anthem reference that mm-hmm. uh, Safi gets you know told to earlier. Uh, the father again. He says, "You die as you sleep. You resurrect as you wake up. So fear not. Fear not." Right. Yeah. That's right. So I was like, "Ah, oh, that's pretty cool. I caught that." And then he goes. That's when he does. He takes off the cloak, reveals his chains, and he's got that lock and these keys all Dude, over him. Dude's he's cut. Buff. Dude's cut <laughs> and, like, all of, like, 4'11". Yeah, if that. If that. Yeah. That's I honestly, he, uh... I mean, that's one of the things. Like, I'm not saying it to rip on the mm. dude, but one of the weird things about this movie is his appearance is so striking that if you told me in, like, the wide shots where they show him walking around the room and not necessarily even close-ups on his face on yeah. how I described it kind of being maskish. His physical proportions and makeup, because even that isn't quite normal. Mm-hmm. If you told me he was CG, I would have believed you. Yeah, you know, before even looking at any info, like we, you know, we do our research. I watched a little bit of the film just to kind of get a feel for it. And when I saw this part, I, that's a, almost immediately what I thought is like, wow, is this is this CG'd in? You know, CGI'd in and. No, I was like, oh, okay, well, no, this, this, you know, you, as you start to watch, he's like, no, this is a real person, it, which, you know, he, shit, that was a hell of a find, diamond yeah, in the rough. fucking astounding. Such a presence, too, throughout all of, all yeah. of what we're talking and about. And apparently this, this gentleman, too, my uh, very artistic, uh, and very well knowledgeable about the character that he was supposed to play, and he was very open, you know, and helped in the direction. But then he goes up to what's-his-name. Yavus, Yavus is is Yavus. kind of Yavus. He's like he starts to try to like we're the law and you have to respect our law. And he's I like, am the law. yeah, exactly. I'm the law. And, and then this is where the father he uh, he lectures Yavus on 
the law, and he says, you know what? He says, your laws don't pertain to our realm. He's like, he's like I can tell you're scared, but you're tough. You're scared, but you're tough. And then uh, he he gets out his dagger, like he unsheathes this dagger. And it's pretty clear what he intends to do with it the entire time. Yes. In my so there's, opinion. there are reasons why there's hooded people in this cult, right? We're about to find out. He's like, what is it? He says, the problem with humanity is that they worship strength. Is it? Does he say that about humanity as a whole? What does I, he say? I, I can't remember. I don't. I didn't write that part down, but it it's pretty much alluding to. But that he's like, right, but are you ready to see beyond? And yeah. This and that? So what he's what he's alluding to is that there's a a whole other world open to him if he if he chooses to close his worldly eyes. And Ramsey keeps yelling at him to close his eyes, close his eyes, yeah. and he does, and. That's the fun, and that's the weird thing because father, I mean, he's got a fucking knife. It yeah. wouldn't be hard to do what he intends to do. Oh yeah, he toys with him with this part. But he's not. He doesn't gouge at his eyes while he has. Oh closed. no, 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 no! And he just waits a second. He's like, "What's his name?" He says his name. He says Yavus. He's like Yavus, and he opens his eyes, and as soon as he does, step, step, Wham. step, step, and then you get this like this really that that dreadful ominous music, and a little From slow down. Holocaust. Yes, it cuts into that. Yes, and, it's and then awesome. you see like Arda and Remzi, and they're like, oh no, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he gets he puts the hood on him, mm-hmm. and, and he keeps he licks he even licks his wound. Like oh the yeah, father like licks the wound. I, I notice so anytime he, he draws blood. He licks it from either the knife yeah. or the wound, mm-hmm. uh, or in some cases, both. Yeah. But one of the things I noticed is no matter how sloppily he did that, whenever it cuts back to him, he never has any blood on his face. It's always clean. Yeah. But the way I, it came off to me not as like a problem, mm-hmm. it just felt like because he does sort of have that supernatural presence, you know what yeah. I mean? But I'm waste. curious, how supernatural is he? Because... He's one in either thirty or three hundred million. So right, I don't know. It was cool. That was kind of disturbing though. How he like tongue fucked the wound. Yeah, man, <laughs> it's pretty wild. He says this after he does that to Yavos. He says, "All right, let's begin." And then as that happens, the helper, the creepy dude, he goes and like opens up that door, door and leads in this, this woman. Is, I like this. This is really fucked on up. all fours. She's wearing a really crude animal skull, like, headdress. To the point where you can't even really see her head or face. Yeah, what this was supposed to depict, from what I I gathered, you know, reading interviews and things like that, right, was that you're only supposed to know that she's female because of the, you see her breasts, right? Mm -hmm. She's not very appealing. No. Well, especially not with the fucking pretty fresh looking skull god damn yeah that shit's Animal like skull. super crude and she's just like i mean i would say she's just let out there like it's 500 times too big to be a goat you know she, yeah I mean? she's she's very she's let out there like like a um like swine mm-hmm. in a sense right and On all fours posted up for him and he gets led behind and yeah, made so, to have sex with her yeah then we're speaking of yavus so yavus yeah. is led over to the woman um, the creep helps take his pants off, and then he starts to help thrust Yavus into the woman and force to have sex with this woman in this fucked up skull headdress. She's starting to get into it, right? And the cult's kind of getting to I put they're kind of exulting as mm-hmm. the act is happening. And then after all this happens, um, the father goes over to Yavus and he says, like, you're still resisting. That's the thing. It seems like 
at the end, the father makes it seem like it's a failure. Yeah. And Yavuz kind of has a seizure and he, dies. Yeah, like, like I felt like in, during this whole scene, not that scene, but just the whole scene in general, was that it was almost like a, um, a test to see of, of who's worthy of going beyond the earthly realm into mm-hmm. this other realm. Maybe that was like a ritual of sorts to see who can pass the test. I like you say it was fucked up way of doing it, but uh, that's the thing. I feel like if you knew the hell rules, then this scene would yeah. make a, would be have more of an impact. Not that, but there's even more symbolism that doesn't you know doesn't really get explained too much because he makes it seem like it's a failure, but right, that doesn't exactly. have, that doesn't seem to have any impact overall on the rest of it's the not, plot. It's not a complete failure though. And he has a seizure and keels over, and when he does, a spider crawls yeah, out of his mouth. Yeah, a tarantula crawls out of his mouth. Which the keeper the has keeper, to keep for some he reason. He does. He, he runs over to it and snatches it up, and then I guess he places it somewhere. In like some cabinet or something. Yeah, and um, as that's happening, let me write down, because I did write down some other shit. Um, yeah, Baba, he starts to go over to the, the, the cult. The father goes over to the cult, and he's kind of like, I don't know, they're kind of like, so they're embracing him, and he's embracing them. And then he confronts, he goes back over to Arda. And this is where Ramsey starts to pipe up and tries to distract mm-hmm. the father from fucking with Arda. And he goes and he starts off by doing some, like, praying near yeah, Arda's head. Yeah, he chants over Arda and he dabs his, some blood on, on Arda's forehead, like right where his eye would be, his third eye would be. Or in the, the case the keyhole. of, I was going to say the keyhole. Right. And he looks, he, he looks over to Arda and he says to Arda... Because I guess he's approaching Ramsey. He says, "I wasn't, I wasn't wrong, Arda." That's what he tells Arda, mm-hmm. right? And then uh, Baba goes over to to Ramsey. When I say Baba, I mean the father. It's the same yeah. same thing. Uh, he thinks this is where he thanks Ramsey for taking care of Arda. And then that's when he slits. He slits his Ramsey's throat. throat, and he does it savagely too. It's not mm-hmm. just a clean. It's just something like he cuts into his throat. And blood spraying everywhere, and he yeah. kind of like bathes himself. He in washes his, blood. his face in Ramsey's blood, kind of like yeah, uh, soaking myself in it. And as Ramsey's still dying, is that when Baba goes back over? To yeah, Arda? he goes back over to Arda, and then he puts his head to his head. So they're having a head-to-head moment. And you get back in the diner. Yeah, you get a couple quick scenes. You get a, a, a quick shot of the road that they were on. Oh, right. The inside of the station that they were a, in, and then a red shot of I was the about exterior say, of the building. There's red almost in all of it somewhere. But. Exactly. And then you see... Well, it's right, right here. This is the fucked up part because we're, we're almost in the diners. Right before it, uh, the skull lady, it, she gets led to like a pillar, and she's kind of grabbing onto it. And uh, at first, before before I knew what happened, <laughs> at first I was like, "Oh no, they're gonna make art of fucker." <laughs> I was like, "Oh no, this is gross," but that's not what happened. So she no. gives birth to that stone fetus thing in a bucket. Yes. So it squirts out in the bucket, and then the creep collects, and he's kind of embracing it. Then he goes upstairs, and that's the last, I think, we see of the creep and that and the stone, stone figure. So what the fuck happened with them? We don't know. So um, that's when, yeah, this is when Art appears in the diner, and you hear the static TV. And then he starts to rub his forehead. He closes his eyes. He rubs his forehead. And he that's when he discovers Ramsey's on the other side of the, the diner table, mm-hmm. bleeding out of the fucking wound in his neck. And then Ramsey... He told him he made a promise to Arda's uncle. Uh, he says that if he doesn't take care of him, he would like he would have to pay in the afterlife. Yeah, or come after him in the afterlife. It's like, like that. And the weird thing, who he's is like, Arda's so, uncle? He's referring to the guy who left the body, maybe. 
No, so when so Arda, when his folks died, it seems like he went and stayed with his aunt and uncle. Mm-hmm. And at some point, his uncle left him in Ramsey's care. Okay. Although he might be referring to that sim- symbolically when Arda came to, was presumably living with his uncle and then gained the job as police. Okay. At, and Ramsey is in some way his superior. You know what I mean? Yep. And so symbolically, he was being placed in his care. But this, but I'm not. They never make that necessarily they, clear. They don't. Like I said, it's very vague. And like I said, it also seemed to imply. I, I still say Ramsey's the the cousin. That's what I say because there's a lot of alluding back and forth between Ramsey and that cousin, right? Yeah. So maybe he is the embodiment of his cousin. Who knows? And but he also says, "I only have one key in this life, and now it's yours." Right, exactly. And then, and he kind of implies it in a way that it's possible to have more than one key, and that more keys exist. Yeah, it's yeah. In my opinion, that's a very open interpretation. That's a good point. But as it's happening, also the father is kind of a, starting to appear. Yeah, in he's the in. He's in the diner. Yeah, and they can feel his presence. But just before that happens, Arda takes the key from Ramsey's throat, slash one, and he takes the key out, and that's when, like I said, the father appears behind Arda, and he tells, this is what he tells Arda, the father, he says, everything ends, but everything starts anew, and I think he's about to repeat that refrain, and as he does, Arda sticks the key inside of the key slot in the father's forehead, Right, his third eye, perhaps, and it pops back. It to goes the back world. into the dungeon that they're in, and he's unchained, and the key is in father. And right, father and falls back. he falls backwards, and he's like, he's having that like, ah, oh, 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 no, like, but he doesn't say. He just he's yeah. acting it out, right? And Arda grabs uh, the stool, that yeah, foot the stool? step stool, Ooh, and shit. bashes him to death with it, just getting covered oh, in his yeah. fucking blood. He, he, like he said, he he bends over the top of him and starts to bash his skull. Gore and blood. As he leaves, he starts limping really weirdly for no reason. Well, right, yeah, he does. Um, even the cult starts to like reach, reach out, out for, for him, like they did father. Yeah, like they were almost um, exalting and or like like revering, so him. revering him. They were like maybe he's the, the new leader. I was gonna, world? I was gonna bring that up. Like, does that mean he's the new? I was thinking maybe they're alluding to that. Because he fact. got the weird blood back. Yeah. Uh, not like, but like, like a yeah. christening. The weird blood christening. Yeah. Or anointing of sorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same thing, I suppose. But what throws that into, for me, what throws that into huh. doubt is that he seems to be the main focus of this hell. Yeah. Which seems to be a time loop because as he's leaving, you find out that he's the figure the van crashed into. Yeah. You want to you talk about how that happens? Because I like, I like how it kind of, how it, those series of events happen. So he runs out. Right, he's running out. He climbs the staircase. There's even like, as he's climbing that staircase past the cult, you see almost like the like a, a beam of light. Mm-hmm. The way it almost looks like it's supposed to be a depiction of his ascent. Right. Um, which I thought was kind of cool. But then you see like a red too, because the I think you see a quick flash of maybe the hand. I think. Coming I don't out. Remember? Yeah, there's well, like this a, weird repeated things, but uh, before he's it. all the way out, does it turn into his house again, or am I just making? Yeah, that like up? So this as he's climbing the staircase, he has flashbacks of his childhood dream. 
He appears in the hallway and exits via the station. What I mean by that is Arda is like, he goes, as he's exiting, he's also act, uh, in his dream state, his childhood dream state in that hallway. Mm-hmm. He leaves out of that into, he, now he's back in the station that he's still in. And he, I think he puts a handprint of blood. I think that's what you see. So you see like these, all these quick images though, right? He gets out of the station where it's red. Like the whole scene is red. Yeah. And that's where he's covered in blood. And he starts to laugh maniacally. Oh yeah, he cracks up for a and then bit. Yeah, he does. And he starts to pound the ground, right? And then he runs off into the into the woods. Finds the road. Finds a road that it looks like they started on. Starts running up the road. You see headlights coming out of like out of a turn and he starts raise, waving and his hands to you, try to you can flag see it that it's a police car because of the headlights mm-hmm. and he does as a car is getting closer he covers his face and then boom he gets hit and guess what happens you see what you saw before it crashes in the river and the last thing you see is the abandoned yeah police police van, van in the creek in the creek Right, and exactly. you go into a dope end credit sequence. I like this a lot. It's really cool because, like I said, as you see that, then it goes to Baskin, the title, mm-hmm. and then like boom, outro music. Yeah, so cool. Credits. Hard fucking outro music. Yeah, it was cool. It's like boom, it, it does. It kind of jolts you back into like boom, your rea- our reality. Mm-hmm. Right, so it sucks you in, and then it pulls you back out with a real quick whoa, whoa. But it, but it seems like it, it's some sort of weird personal hell that involves a time loop for him yeah and it's but then how does he become the next master if that's the case that's a great point that's a very great point but maybe he hasn't realized his his true fate in that realm and maybe that's beginning states of him in that time loop well and i i like how you mentioned alternate different things happening when they go in and that's part of the time loop like, thing it of it necessarily be one time loop it could be multiple time loops because there was nothing in the movie to directly hint at this but when i watched it i felt like at least some of the victims and or cultists mm-hmm. were different versions of them yes. from previous times you know there's even scenes which I thought kind of alluded to some some things too with with Safi specifically was there was a scene right before they go into the station where that man from the frog camp that they they told to come with them to lead them into the station mm-hmm. he starts to tell the story like like about about the station like during the Ottoman days right and Yavus like he he interrupts and then I think Apu or Ramsey tells him to carry on. He tells a story, but then they they try to check in with with uh, Safi, and he tells almost the exact same story. He's like, "Well, yeah, he well, repeats, it was a police station in the Ottoman days." He does that time, though, in the movie because mm. he he says it in the van, he says it there, and it's it's almost too exact, like it's scripted the way he says. It. I mean, I know it's scripted, but the way he says it feels robotic. I feel like maybe there's still something I'm missing. Yeah, I don't know. I, Overall, what I think, but I think what really, really, really. <laughs> That this, I think this director was trying to do, and it probably gets like what we're doing. It's like maybe it wasn't meant to be this dissected, but a little bit. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like he did that, but maybe not to like, I don't know. Hopefully not like a Donnie Darko perspective, you know? Like, goddamn, you have to watch that movie so many times. I like almost fully understand it, but maybe you don't quite understand right. it. But more vague than that. I saw a really good explanation for Darko once that if I can find it again, I'll send it your yes, way. Yes, please. But, uh, but as far as but this I mean, one goes, I, yeah. 
Like I said, I liked it. I would I recommend I, it to I really people. Like this film. It's fucking beautiful. It's really well acted. The effects are great, but it pushed in some places for me. I it, understand. It's extremely vague, and and I, I think going through this made me like it even a little bit more. Just getting to yeah. talk it out, but well, yeah, because I think it gives us more time to kind of like say analyze it verbally as opposed to like you know how to have to stir our own thoughts and like what the fuck is going on because there's plenty of moments i have that myself mm-hmm. um it is however currently on netflix yes it is so Please that makes it. it easy to watch it's very accessible i think that was part of the appeal for us doing this too not only the fact that it's turkish and it's it's a really interesting film and, and you know it's very interesting yeah i think definitely deserves the uh the tongue wagging it's gotten because i i feel like this one's gotten great word of mouth and it's been mostly uh passed around in that way and yeah, i feel know, pretty happy on joining in on that like you should go watch this what i would like perhaps is a version where you get a um a director's commentary a director's cut where we can sit down and hear what he has to say about the film maybe all the way through i mean yeah. i'd be i'm nerdy enough to want to listen to that yeah for sure i'd be down maybe he can uh, help fill it maybe it already exists and we're just it. ignorant of it but no i know there's a german version of a, i think a blu-ray where okay. it's a double disc but i don't know what all's on it gotcha. i just know there's a double disc edition well who knows maybe hey people go watch it maybe if there's enough interest we'll get something cool anyway but yeah uh i think that pretty much wraps us up for baskin though right like yeah i agree we've, this, we've said a lot about this movie we've we, tried uh, i don't know i got super winded on it there was a few references i did want to mention real quick oh yeah go for it that the director used and i thought was really cool because there's another film i've been pimping out to some of some of our friends our mutual friends and he had mentioned some of the style that he was going for you know one of them I, I mentioned earlier, it was the, the Ryan Gosling film, right? Oh, yeah. Only God Forgives. But uh, there was another film that I've seen, and it's a part of um, the Palm film collection. Right? Okay. Anyhow, the film I'm referring to is a Belgian film, because the director said that he he stylistically was really influenced by a lot of the French extreme films that came out in the 2000s. Right. One of them that we actually did in Martyrs. Martyrs. So he was, he, apparently he had watched a lot of those films, and a Belgian film being one of them that I'm about to mention is uh, Calvaire. Right? And Calvaire means the ordeal, and very appropriately titled, uh, that's a film hopefully we can get to later on down the road, but uh, I started thinking about what he said about those films and some of the other films he started referencing, even with the father character, with, uh, you know, paying almost a direct ode to Pinhead. Mm-hmm. And um, Colonel Kurtz from Apocalypse Now, and you know, like some other films, you know, he made him watch A Nightmare on Elm Street, and things like that. But it's like this director, he's he's kind of in our age group, you know, he's in his early thirties, heavily influenced by, like I said, uh, American films and a lot of, like I said, the Italians. He mentioned Fulci, mm-hmm. the extreme French movies we had talked about, which are awesome, was super fucking dope. Uh, go on and explore those films. But um, he talked about The Descent, which is another French film. Um, so there was a lot of cool references, like I said, stuff that we've done, some of the stuff that we'll oh, yeah. actually cover. The way the way the uh, the cultists move very much remind me of the creatures from The Descent. Yeah, and I think right that's off the bat, even before too. I even before I read that, it was yeah. like, oh yeah, cool. You can see some of the odes he was paying and some of the homages, but like I said, there was some some certain vagueness that we still need to explore. Hopefully, get explain more but and maybe if, the if you guys have uh your own theories uh it'd be really cool if you emailed yeah, us and tyler will explain some of the ways we can uh hear from you I, i'm gonna get to that though oh, real yeah, quick yeah. though i want to mention uh kind of while it's still recent oh yes please do uh so very 
we mentioned a few times on this podcast that we're friends of Kevin, not friends, we're fans of yeah. Kevin Smith. We Hope. wish we were friends. Yes. Not yet, but... Uh, and we've been planning for a long time as doing his two horror movies yes. as sort of their own double feature because neither of yeah. them are I'd say neither of them are straight horror movies and they they both kind of are outside the box yeah. and we don't need to subject you guys to us fanboying out that hard no. but we wanted to hit it uh however it was something that we always kind of just planned on something fun to do later on how could we not uh unfortunately in this past week the star of both of those movies uh Michael Parks passed away so we are going to be moving it up the schedule. We obviously didn't do it this week. It just happened far too late into the week to set it up. Exactly. And we do want to make it kind of special. We hope it will be next week that it will be out. Right. We're not entirely positive on that. There's some scheduling things that we still have to work out because we wanted to do it special. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but it will be coming out. and We wanted very soon. Uh, we wanted to, you know, mention it on the show. We mentioned before that there's a we we live in a time where a lot of these greats are yeah, passing, and he's probably not even best known for horror necessarily. I would agree with that. But in our in our own world, this is an actor that sort of made an impact because it's some of the best performances I've ever seen. Yeah, and in uh, in a very weird offbeat horror movie <laughs> that. Uh, I mean, if I wasn't if I wasn't a fan and somebody tried to explain, I mean, the the plot of Tusk to me, I'd tell you go fuck off. I'm not gonna watch that goddamn movie. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. No, because yeah, in context, it's hard to gather exactly what you're about to experience in the film. But um, I feel like, like you said, with Red State and Tusk, we get a strong performance that are the very memorable. Like you, you soon won't forget. Yeah, these characters were just completely lived in by this man on screen. Um, I don't think... I mean, he wasn't... Especially, he would be an absolute asshole if he went method and lived as Abe and Cooper off screen. Oh so God, I know that he damn, wasn't method. Yeah, no but I hope not. <laughs> For our sake. I know that he wasn't method. He was, seemed yeah. to be a very sweet, very honest man. Yeah. Uh, and we will get to a proper tribute to him. Yeah, and we also... if, Like I said, if, if that doesn't pan out, we do have some other... Yeah, otherwise we're going to get Cards something else deck. soon. Um, we have yeah, some special things we want to do. Uh, we're going to talk about it here in a little bit. Yeah. But in order to get to either of those things, you will need to keep listening to us. And to do that, you can subscribe to us on, I mean, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, right? Tuned In, yeah. Google Play. Google Play, yeah. And if you want, if you have your own theories on Baskin. Yeah, because we do hope that you go watch it, and it's really easy because it's on do Netflix. Please do for your own entertainment. Fucking Netflix and chill. Yeah, with your bay. You don't yeah. want a Netflix and chill with your bay skin. With your bay skin. That's right. Ooh, I with like that. With your bay skin. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Netflix and chill with your bay skin. I like it. I like that. Uh, ooh. Except this movie's yeah. rough one to do that yeah. too. That's that's a weird reference. Hopefully they don't get it. Ooh. <laughs> Hopefully your bay um, doesn't get that. <laughs> Well, maybe she does. She but if you have it. your own theories on what's going on in this movie, you can always hit us up. Uh, we got at Fried Squirms at Twitter. Yeah, uh, our Twitter. Fried Squirm or no Squirmcast, Squirmcast at, at gmail dot com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Fried Squirms. Yeah, we're active on Facebook. Check us out there. We still have our website. You can check us out on www.friedsquirms.com. We have uh, and we have things besides 
podcasts in the works for being up on there. Yeah. There's already a couple things that are website Yeah, only. but we do, we do have... Uh, we, we've been talking about them, but we do have them in the works. And uh, I've been watching there's shit i want to talk about yeah there's shit he wants to talk about we just live kind of busy lives sometimes so we're getting to it when we can and but i think overall that's mostly it for this week what do you say yeah like i said um definitely go check this film out like i said we've been talking about it um i'm looking forward to hearing some feedback and i'm looking forward to some really cool ideas coming up i'm looking forward i know that you've been watching some movies just to talk about in some way or form on the site. I can't wait to see some of that. So. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm like, I said, I'm looking forward to getting my, uh, my ideas out on those movies. Cool. So, uh, that's all still to come. I hope you stick with us. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. This has been Fried Squirms. Uh, we're out. Yeah. Good night.